Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the geek collective and age of radio network How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and you are listening to the House of Indie Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the House of Indie, and my name is Joey Galvez, and like I promised you guys, I have a special guest. This week, I have Andrea Lorenzo Molinari, an editorial director. I see, I almost said it backwards. (laughs) So welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. In fact, I actually uh, just am coming off about five and a half hours of editing today for wow. some of our upcoming titles for Scout. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, you so don't been... ask me any too complicated <laughs> questions because <laughs> I don't know how well we're doing. Let's just say we resorted to this. Oh, so, there you go. Uh, <laughs> That's an awesome cup, by the way, though. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I've. This is my uh, probably my second energy drink of the day. <laughs> it's probably. Yeah, the- I'm going. I'm not looking for any additional energy. It's now the. We've we've gone into the beer uh, <laughs> beer mode here. It's Saturday night, done with work, so time to yeah. slow down and wind down. Definitely. Yeah, all right. But it's good. I mean, I enjoy the work a lot. Love editing. I mean, it really is a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, but it's like it's an intense work. So when oh, you've done five and a half six hours, it's you're tired. You're oh, mentally tired. I bet it, and you know what? It, it's it's. I've always spoken to people, and then uh, when they say, you know, physical, you know, physical labor tires you out and wears you out, but uh, mental, la- like I'm gonna call it mental labor because it oh, is yeah. mental labor yeah. tires you out a complete different way. Yeah, it really does. And when you're that tired, I mean, it. Uh, that's when it's like you know, I joke. It's like uh, we used to. When we were dating, this is back in college, mm-hmm. you know, we we used to spend time together. We were so busy with our classwork and all the stuff that we would see each other at midnight and spend from midnight to two together. Oh, wow. And uh, now it's like 10 o'clock bedtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. I, know. I, you know? I joke with my wife, too. We, uh, we looked at each other uh, a couple of days back. And she's like, how the heck did we... I think it was during during uh uh you know New Year's we were like how did we ever like make it past midnight on these nights you're like how do you do yeah. this I I couldn't even I was I had to force myself awake to to, to get towards eleven on New Year's Eve they were, my kids were like aren't you going to stay up I'm like hell no 
<laughs> it's like it'll be another day tomorrow. Eight, 8 p.m. We don't have the world. Uh, yeah, it'll be another day. I know. I told her 8 p.m. I'm good. Let's go to bed. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet. I haven't become my grandparents, but oh. I've certainly become my dad. I used to used to make fun of my dad. Like we'd sit down for a movie, and dad, mm. you know, half an hour into it, dad sawing. Oh yeah, sawing logs. You know, yep. to make fun of him for that. And I haven't gotten to quite to that point yet. <laughs> that's funny all right so so let's let's talk a little bit about about your work here you uh, I, there's one book that i'm i'm really lo- waiting for the anticipation i know you've you've uh it, you've released it prior on another uh comic book publishing company and now you're bringing it over to scout comics and we're talking about the shepherd here and and I I'm looking through all this stuff and I, I happen to look through the Shepherd's uh, website and some some of it looks different some of it looks uh, very similar you, you obviously the characters didn't uh, deviate very much but the the covers look awesome they look even better now than the, I mean I, I don't I hope that's not saying anything bad about no, the old cover no, that's very- but uh but this and then I I was able to read a preview copy and man. I, this is still, I'm still, this, this book still hasn't come out in 2021 yet, but I'm still going to say this is going to be my choice for 2021. Uh, you know, uh, it's, that. it's such a great read. Uh, so tell a little bit of, uh, about the shepherd for those who don't know what this book is about. All right. So I think that the best way to begin is to talk about its origins. Um, the, the origin of the shepherd is actually in the nightmare that I had about my oldest son, Roberto, who is now my co-writer. And uh, in my dream, I dreamed that he had died of a drug overdose. Uh, I was devastated because we've always been very close, very close. Um, I was one of those guys who always wanted to have have kids and especially, you know, a son. I mean, I think most guys would like to have a son. And I definitely wanted to have kids and uh when he was born it was a big thing you know we were kind of inseparable and so this dream was really devastating but it wasn't just a dream of him dying it was a dream of all of it the aftermath the funeral i mean going to the morgue and having to identify the body the funeral the aftermath and it was like being in this strapped into a roller coaster from hell you know um oh, man and the whole the whole story that has become the shepherd happened to me. I experienced it in that nightmare. And I woke up and I'm, you know, my heart's beating out of my chest and I'm very upset. I'm covered in sweat. And my wife is like, what is wrong with you? And I said, I don't think you want to know. And she's like, well, now I kind of do. And uh, so I told her and she's like, why did you tell me that I hate you? You know, I'm like, because you made me, um, you know. And um, I mean, I was very upset. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, is this some kind of portent, foreshadowing something? Mm-hmm. And it took me really a couple of days to kind of work up the nerve to talk to my son about it. I mean, I up until that point, I hadn't had any inkling that there was any issue or anything. Yeah. When I told him about it, it was like, dad, he, his whole attitude was, was, dad, this is so cool. You know, and I'm like, he was like 15 <laughs> at the time, 15, 16. And I'm like, uh, no, actually, this is really quite not cool. Um, I'm not happy about this. I don't feel good about this. Um, but his whole attitude was like, Dad, we need to do something mm-hmm. with this. This is this is an amazing story. We need to do something. 
And um, his his thought was, we need to write it up. We need to make something of it. He was really thinking in terms of graphic novel. Um, and I was just trying to, you know, avoid therapy. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I was very upset by the whole thing. And uh, but he he was very determined. And um, and the last thing I needed was a writing project. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time I was I was teaching graduate school. And I was administering a program, a graduate program. So I would, I had administrative duties up to my neck. And when it came to writing, I was writing academic stuff. Um, because before I got into comic books, I was writing academic books, uh, scholarly studies of ancient. My, my background is in theology, yeah. religion, wow. uh, and writing about ancient texts, particularly from the uh, uh, first to fourth century uh, of our era that I was working on. And, um, you know, I didn't need any more work. I really didn't need any more work Mm. because I was teaching a full load on top of everything else. Yeah. So, uh, but he kept pestering me about it. And there was a moment like in June of 11 of 2011, where I, I kind of finished some major projects, you know, obviously the semester was over and I mentioned to my wife, I was like, you know, I actually have a little bit of time on my hands right now. This is weird. What will I do with that? You know, I was like, and apparently he was in the other room. I didn't know it, but he was in the other room and overheard that. And that was my <laughs> fatal error, you know, because now I suddenly had work on my hands. So he was, he pestered me and I was like, Oh, for the love of God. All right, let's write this up. So we wrote it up and I thought I'd get him off my case, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course that was not how, what his plan was. He was like, now that we got it written up, um, we need to do something more with it. And, and I was like, well, I have no idea. And he was like, how are we going to get, I said, how are we going to get an artist? He was like, dad, they have this thing called the internet and it's really cool you can look up things and find people and you know the typical sarcastic 16 year old so actually what i think he's a little older at that point but um anyway that's how it ended up you know we ended up uh finding a company called scattered comic studios out of sacramento california worked with a uh gentleman named jason Duby, and he uh he basically helped us put together a book find artists colorist, all that type of thing, put together the book as, you know, as you, uh, as you see it. And um, we ended up eventually uh, getting it published with uh, Caliber Comics. It came out in May, 2015. And uh, we followed that up with a second two volume story arc called the path of souls, path of dogs. And that was in 2018. And um, so we did basically five years there at Caliber Comics and, um, in the course of doing that, we of course were going to all the conventions, and pretty much our our swath of conventions was from Dallas. If you can imagine this geographically, Dallas, following the South, the Old South, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, mm-hmm. uh, and pretty much covering cons in that area. And we'd go okay. outside of it. We went to Michigan, New York mm-hmm. City Comic Con, Denver, places like that. But that was largely we were in this in the south because that's where we are is in West Palm Beach. Okay. Anyway, when we're out there, we're running into Scout left, right, and center. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and one of their uh, one of their top guys, uh, uh, Jim Pruitt, ch- chief create, creative officer, mm-hmm. uh, he's got his start at Caliber Comics. So we started talking about Caliber in the old days, and I'm of course I'm interested because I'm in Caliber. I'm interested in yeah. hearing the old stories. And uh, then they started talking about what they were doing at Scout. The more we talked, the more I started feeling like 
scout was going in a direction that I felt made mm-hmm. more sense than what I was doing with caliber. And, uh, and that ended up eventually leading, you know, when we finished our contract, the five-year contract, I decided not to re-up with caliber and we signed in July of 2020 with scout and here we are. So that's, that's an amazing story. And, and, you know, I'm looking at the covers from Caliber, and, and and I flip back over to the cover that you guys have from from Scout. It's completely different. So yeah. so when you guys were uh, thinking about obviously bringing it back over to Scout, um, wh- how did you guys uh, approach? You know, we need new covers. Do you guys did you guys put new art into the whole entire thing? Did you just you know take it apart? How how much does it differ from from its original? Yeah, um, well, the uh, we wanted to do new covers because you know, Joey, you evolve. Oh yeah, you, you can't do five years in this field and not evolve. Yeah, even your base knowledge mm-hmm. of how to approach making a comic book changes drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we started, I needed scattered comic studios. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for that because Jason taught me a ton about making comics. But, you know, as you go forward, you learn, you know, how to how to do this. And you also learn about how to find artists. Mm-hmm. And I personally, everybody's different, but I personally have found that I'm in love with the Italian artists and the Spaniards. Oh yeah. I think that there's incredible talent. I mean, mm-hmm. go figure that the Italians and Spaniards <laughs> would know something about art, right? Uh, you know. Just a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. There you go figure. Um, so, uh, you know, I've obviously learned a lot and uh, of course with the new publication, we wanted to do something, you know, things that would be different to set it apart. Um, and so the covers were the logical starting place. And then, of course, uh, we we have added like this new the first volume that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, we did add a brand new 12 page introduction that has never been published before. Okay. And we had an introductory section, a, t- a two page introductory section with the first the original volume, but I was never really thrilled with it. I never really felt like it did what I wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. And to have the opportunity when we were, we signed with Scout, we were placed with Black Caravan, which is Scout Comics's horror and mm-hmm. sci-fi imprint. And those guys have been great. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Smalky and um, Rich Woodall. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they encouraged us. They said, you know, go ahead and create a new introduction. And uh, I, like I said, I've been thinking about it. So to have them kind of give me um, free reign to, to go play, um, yeah. and now, I mean, like, imagine you, you're doing work, you're a different animal five years mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. you know, and now you know how to do things on a level that you didn't before. Yeah. And so, you know, I just, the connections, the artists that I know now, you know, the range, I mean, the people that I know, I mean, just with scout, just to put this in perspective for you, Joey, as an editor, I have creative teams that I'm working with in Australia, New Zealand. Germany, Spain, multiple Italian creative teams, England, Brazil, Hungary. Wow. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but at least give you the sense of this. So when you start working globally like this, Uh 
obviously you're going to meet people, you're going to start to make mm-hmm. connections and they will introduce you to people. So, you know, to have that opportunity to do what, to redo a section of the book, um, you know, the gloves came off and we just, you know, just all those years of experience went to work. So we were able to create this 12 page introduction. Um, and if you're interested, I mean, this is going to be, obviously we can do this, I guess, for the benefit of the, uh, of the viewers that are going to mm-hmm. your patron is it, you said is patron. Uh, yeah. My patron patron, patron supporters. Yeah. My patron yeah, supporters. Um, if, if you want, we can show them a little bit of the art. Sure. We can show them uh, that. And uh, yeah, the, unfortunately the audio version where they will not be able to see that <laughs> we can definitely well, yes, show. I can, I can tease it and put it on the website. How about that? Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. So this is page one. I'm going to have to. Wow. Redo this a little bit, but. The story uh, for those for the I'll at least do a little talking through for those who are sure. just have the audio. The story is intended to introduce the character of the shepherd by showing you him at work. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the shepherd is a guide of souls. The technical Greek term for this is psychopomp. Okay, a guide of souls. CK is mm-hmm. the soul in Greek, and pomp is or pompa is like a, a procession or a guide, uh, a leader of souls in the afterlife. Um, and so we actually have this story of him in a, on a case, if you will. And it takes place in the afterlife in a place called the seam. And the seam is like, you can think of it as purgatory. I don't use mm-hmm. the term purgatory because most people don't really understand what purgatory is. They think yeah. it's part of hell or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's not, it never has been intended to be that. It's actually part of heaven. But it's a place where the seam, like purgatory, is a place of transformation. It's a place mm-hmm. where you let go and you kind of heal from the things that have, like, if, if you can imagine, like, debris that is still on you from this life. Yeah, a place of learning. And yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. um, I, I think of it as a decontamination chamber mm-hmm. of sorts for your soul yeah. uh, before you move on. Yeah. Anyway, in this particular case, I think, where I think you and I would is, have... I think you and I would have an amazing conversation about stuff like that. Cause <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I'm, 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 obviously that's the area that's right. I studied and I love it dearly. So it's yeah. reflected obviously in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but this story is set in a real mortuary temple called uh, Mednet Habu, which is near Luxor, Egypt. This wow. is the real thing. So what you'll wow. see on these pages in the first 12 pages is the real temple. Wow. And um, what's happening is, we imagine that there are souls in the afterlife uh, that are obviously suffering trauma and all the souls have work to do. Think of it as work, spiritual work that needs to be done while they're here in this place Mm -hmm. before they move on. But some souls are willing to do the work and others are not so willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. They'd rather not because it's painful. It's difficult. (laughs) It's not that they're being tortured. It's the kind of thing where, you know, um, think of it as like exercise, like mm-hmm. working out is there's some discomfort that's involved in working mm-hmm. out. It's good for you in the end, but while you're doing it, like when you're on the treadmill, it kind of sucks. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's a certain amount of that going on. Well, anyway, uh, you have some souls that are basically decided that they're going to try to take advantage of this, of this other soul. And it takes place, you know, in this, um, uh, in this, uh, temple Mednet had have and i'll just show you a little bit more of the of the uh artwork 
And I gotta no, tell you, some of these the, the these first few pages are some of my favorite pages from the entire book. And Thank it's you. so Thank beautiful and, and it's amazing. So uh I tip my hat to you guys and all the creators who are involved in that. I I am very proud of them. Uh, and this uh this is very much this work about the, with the Egyptian story mm-hmm. and the gods. It involves um, it involves uh, Toth, which is the scribal god. That's the ibis, the ibis bird uh, mm-hmm. head. Um, and on this image, he's on the right uh, yeah. side. Uh, and it also involves Anubis, uh, which is the god of embalming and the preparation of the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much. Uh, in, it, it deals with the weighing of the souls. The Egyptians believe that the that the uh, heart of the uh, deceased is actually weighed on a scale. If you if you've ever had that imagery uh, presented to you about your good deeds and bad deeds weighed on a scale, yeah. it's that's an Egyptian, an ancient Egyptian concept. Oh, um, it's yeah. interesting because lots of Christians use it, but it's not actually a Christian concept at all. It's actually ancient Egyptian. Wow. Um, but the heart is weighed against what's called the, the feather of truth or ma'at. Ma'at is actually a goddess, the goddess of truth, but her symbol is the feather. Mm-hmm. And the idea is if your heart is pure, it's going to actually be lighter than the feather of truth. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then you pass the judgment and get to move on. And in the, in the Egyptian conception, you're introduced to Osiris, who's the god of the underworld. And, uh, and by the way, the underworld, not having a negative connotation in this uh, concept uh, and his two wives, his two wives are Neftis. And then of course, the more famous of the two is Isis. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, that mythology of the weighing of, of the heart uh, is at the core of this story. And, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing there sure. uh, because uh, I don't want to be slapped around by my publishers <laughs> for sharing too much, but, um, but that gives you at least a glimpse for the Patreon yeah. of some of the art and gives you a sense, at least for the, for the listeners too, of what, you know, how that introduction works. Yeah. Um, but again, like I said, the main purpose of those 12 pages uh, was to really give you a chance to see mm-hmm. uh, w- what the shepherd does yeah. uh, in, by actually having him at work. And uh, what the rest of the uh, book is really his, his uh, origin story, how he becomes the shepherd. Mm-hmm. So, and I love the 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 imagery you guys put in here. The the little there's some some subtle teasers. Well, not much of a teaser, but there's some symbols that kind of go along with the shepherd, and and that you guys kind of throw in here, uh, yeah. here and there, especially that with the feather and this and that. And so it's so cool. I, I, I've I've completely analyzed this book so much because I've read it a few times now. And I'm just like, oh, I fall in love with it so much more every time that I read it. Uh, it, it it's it's just that good. So you guys, you guys have done an amazing job here. Um, super, super cool. So uh, what? So when you, I know you guys have written this. It's been five years, uh, five plus years now, right? So when you guys were writing this, I I need to know how how you obviously it came from a dream, but what yeah. was your process? Uh, what, how did you, you know, get into the writing process and, and actually put pen to paper here? Well, uh, wasn't pen to paper. It was at the computer. Uh, and my son was <laughs> not anymore. Not these days anymore. Like, is it? <laughs> yeah. 
it was like a parrot on my shoulder while I was writing this. I will tell you that we wrote this in less than a month, the whole novel in less than a month. It was one of the easiest things I've ever written because it just kind of flowed out of me. I was actually, to be honest, kind of stunned at how easy it came. And then uh, Roberto's role in that first volume was much more of advisory commenting. Sometimes he'd order me out of the chair and he'd step in and write uh, dialogue or write, you know, uh, write an aspect of the story um, because he didn't like the way I was doing it. Um, by then, of course, he'd heard the, the dream multiple times. Um, so he had some, you know, pretty good familiarity with what had happened. Uh, of course, there were some things, you know, that in the dream uh, that had to be had to be realized in the book in ways that they weren't in the dream. Like, for example, uh, the staff uh, was one of those things. And then the character of Legio and his appearance. Uh, Legio is a character is a, that's met by the shepherd in the afterlife. He's a wolf wraith. Uh, go, like a ghost wolf. And um, in my dream, it wasn't a wolf, but it was a creature, a monster. But it, to try to explain this to you, in the dream, I only ever saw him out of the corner of my eye. Wow. Okay. Um, it was like this creeping, lurking monster. Yeah. But never able to fully see it just to know and feel it uh -huh. like with you. Yeah. And, um, but obviously we had to realize it in the comic book. So we were like, well, what are we going to do with this? You know? And the more we talked about it, we ended up settling on the, the idea of a wolf, um, you know, because we needed something feral and something, something, uh, fierce and dangerous, um, you know, but and then we also thought that the idea of a wolf was kind of like the ironic parallel for a shepherd because eventually they become partners, <laughs> you know, so that you have okay. a shepherd and a wolf as partners. Yeah, uh, it's not, you know, it's kind of out of the ordinary, you know, mm -hmm. uh, very much out of the ordinary. Yeah. They would be natural enemies. Um, so there's things like that. And of course, with the staff um, in my dream, it was more like a power that came out of the out of me. Uh, as opposed to centralized in a staff. But again, for a book, we needed to have something physical. And so, you know, with this sense of leading and guiding, that's where came the shepherd. And that's the logical idea was a staff. And so what would that staff look like? Well, the staff would probably be like a shepherd's crook, you know. Uh, and then my original artist came up with the idea of putting a lantern in the shepherd's crook. And that's there to this day. Your Patreon people will be able to see that obviously, but, um, but it's there. You, and of course it's there in the art, but, uh, but that's part of the evolution, you know, of course of the character. And, you know, as you start talking these things out, what is it going to look like? How, how are you going to capture that concept in, in a physical way? So I, I'm surprised to, to hear that the, that the lantern and the staff was not your idea because that feels, uh, you know, with your background and your background in theology and all this stuff, it, it, it almost feels like it would have come from you because of all the, you know, Christianity kind of, uh, uh, things that we see in this, in this book a little bit. Well, I mean, like I said, it came from the com a series of conversations with my son. Um, but also don't sleep on the fact that that shepherd staff is a part of Egyptian 
uh, imagery as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, very much part religion. You, yeah. Pay attention to the to the uh, temple in the first twelve pages. You're going to see the the imagery of this of the shepherd's crook is there. Um, yeah, because lot. you may have seen like images of. Uh, you may have seen this before, but I'm just thinking, um, again, this will be serving your Patreon people more <laughs> than, uh, than your, um, you know, your, your Listener, listeners, yeah. but the, typically you have this symbol with Egyptians. Yes. And it's like a, the, the Pharaoh is depicted with what's called a flagellum, like mm-hmm. a whip. And that's yeah. what this is. And yeah. then the shepherd's crook. And the flagellum is the idea of the, the corporal punishment, the ability to exact obedience. And then the shepherd's crook is the idea of the leadership or the uh, kingly quality of the, uh, of the pharaoh. And those, those images are very much throughout Egyptian, you know, um, hieroglyphs. Uh, you also see a lot of the gods often have like shepherd's crooks, things like that, um, that are depicted. So it's, it's there very much in the Egyptian. It made good sense. Let's put it this way to, to start out the book with an intro that involved Egyptian Egyptian myth and Egyptian iconography. That's awesome. So so is so is that is that one of your favorite faiths and religion? Oh, Egyptian, I love the Egyptian, Egyptian mythology. As part of my doctoral uh, qualifying exams at Marquette University, I actually did a focused question. We have five focused questions, and I actually did one on Egyptian mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how it impacted Christian thinking. And yeah. believe me, I won't get you into it, but <laughs> let's just say that there's some important terminology that filters into Christianity that was first Egyptian uh, in its quality. Like, for example, one of the famous titles of the Virgin Mary in Catholicism is the Queen of Heaven. Let's just say Isis had that title long before, long before Mary. Uh, also, there's a famous depiction of uh, Mary seated and holding, holding Christ on her lap, standing uh, like the inf- I think the infant of Prague, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if not that one, you've seen the image of the yeah. of Christ standing on the the lap of the uh, Virgin Mary, and the idea is Mary's seat of wisdom. You may have heard that mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And of course, the uh, the symbol, the symbol of Isis in the hieroglyphs is actually the throne. Wow. Like it looks like, uh, you know, um, it, it literally looks like a, like this. I mean, you're gonna, it looks like a chair yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, when the Pharaoh is seated in his throne, mm-hmm. he's actually in the arms of the goddess of Isis. Wow. Isis. So are we so, gonna are we gonna see a lot yeah. of a lot of symbolism in the in this book throughout its its uh well you're run? definitely gonna see a lot of mythology and you're gonna see a lot of uh other religions besides yeah. Christianity. Um in the second volume we deal with uh Wendat religion. Okay. Uh Wendat is the white man called them Huron, uh the Huron Indians. Okay. Uh, and they are actually they originally were from what we call Ontario now. Okay. Um uh, between Lake Erie and Lake Huron mm-hmm. is their primary. I mean, that's kind of generally where they yeah. originated. Um, but in that, in the second uh, story arc, we have a character that's a Wendat, and uh, we get into a lot of their their uh, religious views. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the term, the title for the book, "The Path of Souls, Path of Dogs," 
those are Wendat concepts. Wow. Wow. So we, we missed our break because <laughs> we got into some deep, deep conversation, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get into a lot deeper conversation. So let's go ahead and do that now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and we're back, and like I promised you, we're gonna get a little bit more deep, as if it wasn't deeper before. We're gonna get a lot more deep. Pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna get a lot more deep into this conversation here. So, uh, man, this is is so awesome because I I love talking about this stuff. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk about it here on the show. You and I can talk about uh, uh, religions and all that stuff uh, off air because I would love to pick your brain and and talk to you a little bit about that, especially you, you're a professor, uh, you know, so, but, but uh, uh, how did you guys change anything from its original um, context here from, from the, from the first variation of the book till, till now, was there any changes at all? Um, not really. Other than that, what we talked about, mm-hmm. about that 12 page introduction. So, so no dialogue changes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the rest of it is, is as it was, wow. um, you know, uh, we, we like the story. Yeah. Uh, and it is an origin story. Like I said, it's not, um, it, it is a, we, the shepherd is a character that is learning and growing. The shepherd is not going to stay the same. He's going to evolve in his abilities and his understanding in the way that he works. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by the idea of comic book characters that can evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of times in like the big two, like with DC and Mar- and Marvel, they're kind of trapped in a certain way. Although you do see some of this evolution, like for example, in the um, ultimate line, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like ultimate Spider-Man, ultimate X-Men, yeah. they allow their characters to kind of grow, evolve, even be killed off mm-hmm. um, in that line. Or in sometimes you'll see it in the Elseworlds, like DC used to do these Elseworlds books that I really enjoyed yeah. um, where you see characters kind of evolving. Um, and I, I really like that. I like to see characters evolve, learn, grow, um, yeah. and still continue st- telling stories. You know, um, we're very committed to the characters, uh, that we have the shepherd. Um, you have those two stories that were published by caliber because volume one is one story arc, the origin that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then the second story arc is that path of souls, path of dogs. Yeah. Those two volumes are actually one story. Um, since then, we've written three more stories, uh, one wow. of which that is completely finished. It's called The Valentine. Um, we hope to get that started publishing the end of this year, t- 2021. Okay. And then we have two books that are actually completely written that are we're doing the art. And one is called The Tether and the other is called The Burning Maid. And they wow. are under production. We have a Spanish team working on The, uh, the Tether. Jaime Martinez is our primary there. 
And then the Burning Maid is actually done by the same artist, uh, Luca Pancioli, mm. um, who did the artwork for the first 12 pages that you enjoy yeah. with the Egyptian story. Yeah. He's doing the Burning Maid. Oh, man. And that, yeah. that excites oh, man. me. Yeah, that psychs me because uh, his guy. artwork is amazing. I got to tell you, uh, super, super cool. That's probably what, why one of the reasons why I was like, oh, this, this looks so good. Um, so... So, so that you guys are working on tons more and, and all that good stuff. So let's talk a little bit about, about your new role here at Scout Comics. Sure. I know that's been a really, really awesome journey for you. And, and and it's been, what, just a few months now, right? So talk to us a little bit about your first few months as editorial director at Scout. Well, uh, of course, I've only actually been editorial director uh what I guess we did this and started in December yeah. actually. Um, so it's only been a little bit, but I've worked with scout. Like I started working with scout. I think it was like back in 2017, 2018, where I was doing some freelance work for them. I did a couple of, of um, volumes. I did fish mm-hmm. eye. I did uh Graveland. Okay. Uh, both of those are Massimo Rossi yeah. uh, written books um, I'm very close friends with Massimo. Um, he's a Tuscan writer, if you're not familiar with yeah. him, and very prolific, been published. I've edited books of his with Behemoth, Action Lab, um, wow. Caliber Comics, Scout, um, probably forgetting a couple of <laughs> forgetting a couple. Uh, I edited yeah. a book called uh, I don't even I'm Okay. The title of the book is called the fucking Frogman. You probably have to bleep that out. <laughs> I didn't make up that. I'm just telling you the facts here, but I prepared that, edited that one, the English for that one, uh, just because it's being published in, in Japan. Oh, wow. And they needed a clean English translation that they could then translate into Japanese. Okay. Yeah. That's where we live in. So, <laughs> so that's, I mean, you know, I've done a lot of work with Massimo and, mm. um, so he kind of got me, working, doing some editing with scout. Um, and then, you know, it just so happened that they, uh, liked the work that I did. James Hake, Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Pruitt liked the work that I did and they gave me some other opportunities. And then I brought a book to them, uh, called Sengi and Tembo and Sengi and Tembo is a book that just has come out uh, this last week, actually. Yeah. Uh, first week of January, 2021. And, um, that is written and, and the art is done by the same gentleman, uh, Giuseppe uh, Falco, mm-hmm. uh, very, very talented Italian writer and, and artist. And um, I recommend that to people. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it to look that Sengi and Tembo up yeah. and it basically is a story. Um, it's kind of what I describe as the lion King from below. And what okay. I mean by that is the lion King focuses on kind of the kingly predatorial class Mm-hmm. Uh, within the savannah, and this yeah. tells the story of a field mouse, an elephant shrew, to be specific, and an elephant, an aging elephant that's about to die, mm-hmm. um, and their unlikely friendship. Uh, and they're both wow. being hunted, both being, you know, on the verge of being killed, uh, and what it's like to be prey, and to determine that uh, even though life is unstable and uncertain, that they're band together in their friendship and vow to fight to the death to protect their friends, to protect each other. Wow. Uh, and to move forward with whatever, whatever life they have in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a powerful book. Wow. 
It it definitely sounds like it. Uh, amazing. And, and you, you've, you're editing all kinds of amazing stuff. I, I, I know you're, you, uh, you're helping out with black cotton. You're doing a handful of other ones that, that I know of a few, every, every time that I tell people, Hey, this next episode, cause I got people who are like, Hey, well, who's coming on the next one? I was like, Oh, well I got Andrea coming on. They're like, Oh, he edited my book. And that's awesome. He's such a great guy. I love him. He does such great work. So, so people, yeah, people have definitely, you know, you've definitely done something, some great stuff for tons and tons of creators. And appreciate it that. just so I happens that all these. Is well, that I love them. You know, yeah. I do love them. I, I appreciate it shows. Them. I relate to them as creators. Um, I want to help them with their books. It's a joy. You know, it's not a burden. Um yeah. I mean, it's, you know, imagine where you get to do work that is creative all the time, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> right. you know, those moments in your life where you uh-huh. have the ideas popping, you know, yeah. imagine being able to live in that moment a lot, Yeah. you know, it's very powerful yeah, and that's man. what the editing is. You know, it's this chance to, you, you encounter somebody's vision, somebody's baby, and you have a chance to try to help them, mm-hmm. whatever, even in small ways to help them take it to the next level. And that's a really Amazing. powerful thing. So I, I got to tell you, and and I think I can kind of put the two and two together here, but I still want to ask the question so that we can hear okay. it from you. So you, you, you were a professor, a professor of, of, of religion and, and religion studies and all that good stuff. And you are now an editor and creator of comic books. So how did you get the two together? I, I, I I'm putting the two together here because obviously uh, from what you just said, it, you know, the, they're both teaching. No, they are. They very, they really are. Um, and I would tell you that, um, the work that I did as a theologian and professor isn't really as far away from comics as you think. Um, (laughs) And I'll tell you why. First of all, in theology, I was never interested so much in the doctrinal side. I mean, you study it because it's part of what you do, um, because you analyze the thought of the writer. Mm. But my specialty was always in narrative theology. So in other words, I studied stories. Yeah. And the particular stories that I focused on um, were a set of early Christian stories that dealt with the apostles. I was a specialist in the what's called the apocryphal acts of the apostles. Okay. And these are fantastic stories that were written at the end of the second century and onward, say, into the fifth, maybe even a little bit beyond that. Um, but they were stories that the main character was like Apostle Peter or Andrew or Philip or John or somebody like that. And they were always, they involved, just to give you a sense of some of the crazy, fantastic stuff, like the apocryphal acts of Peter has a contest between Simon Magus, the magician, and St. Peter uh, for raising the dead. Mm. So it's a contest of who can raise the dead better. Um Simon Magus flies through the sky and Peter prays and knocks him out of the sky. Uh, There are talking animals. This is commonplace that animals talk, of course, because they do. Uh, (laughs) There's a dragon, uh, talking dragon, nonetheless, in uh, the Acts of Philip. Um, I mean, the list could go on and on and on of these 
you know, kind of amazing stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I specialized in these early Christian legends. Um, and so for me to, to transition into working with comic books is mm-hmm. really isn't, yeah, is not much of a transition at all wow. because that's what I was studying is that kind of literature. Uh, and I've always been interested in, in stories of all kinds, you know, and, and, and that I'll be honest with you, as silly as this sounds, this goes all the way back to when I was a little boy and my mother used to bring me to story hour as a kid. I was like, I can remember being like three, four, five years old, being taken to the library and sitting like a little, this little child in front of a, a librarian who's reading stories yeah. to us out loud and just being in complete rapt attention to that story. You know, so from wow. the beginning, it was all yeah. about that. Well, it definitely sounds like you have a love for this stuff, for the story, for the for the art of of the story. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so it's it's fantastic. You know, I, I appreciate you hanging out with me right here on the House of Indie and uh, taking time out of your day, out of your the end of your day after long, long hours of uh, doing some amazing stuff for some amazing people. Um, uh, please, please let everybody know um, all the good stuff that's going to win, where we, where, when and where we can find the shepherd, uh, any social media, if you'd like to go ahead and let them know where you are on, on there. Well, uh, our website, of course, uh, you know, scoutcomics.com is the first place where you're going to find, mm-hmm. you know, the new stuff that's coming out with, with scout. Uh, you can find uh, our website is the shepherd comic. Uh, dot com. Um, of course, we're on Facebook, um, the Shepherd Comic. Um, you know, and Instagram is one of the site, the uh, platforms that we use heavily. Uh, Twitter, you know, so it's it's easy enough to find us, and we certainly you know welcome anyone who wants to follow us. We're always happy with that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're stick around. We're planning to be doing this for a while. That's what we want to do. Uh, we've got a lot of stories. I mean, the beauty of the shepherd is that he takes place in the his stories take place in the afterlife. Yeah. So basically, think of this: anybody who's ever lived in any culture that's ever existed is fair game. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. a lot. Yeah. yeah so, definitely. You know. Definitely. You can tell stories. You know, as long as people want to read them. So, did uh, I, I'm look I'm trying to look and see if uh, did FOC already end for for the shepherd? You know, I'm not sure. I've been so busy editing that I I haven't. <laughs> well, if you guys want to go ahead and try to look that up at Previews World, check it out. See if you can grab your pre-order your copy. If not, you're gonna have to talk to your uh, local comic shop and see if they have it in store. If not, when it is released, you can go to to scoutcomics.com and purchase it Absolutely. there. Uh, so, all right. Um, man, it, we can go and talk for hours and hours and hours, but I le- I gotta let you go and and get some rest because you've been at work for quite some time. So thank you for hanging out with me. This has been a whole lot of fun, and man, I really love talking to you. It's 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 a blast. Thank you. All right, everybody, thank you for hanging out with us right here. We appreciate you all, just like we do with our friend Jeremy Quintanilla. He went over to Patreon. He typed in patreon.com slash the house of indie and as little as five dollars a month you can join him we got some really great tiers head on over you can find some really cool exclusive stuff so head on over to patreon.com slash the house of indie and join jeremy 
Next week, we're going to be talking to Adam Barnhart, so make sure you guys stick around. And uh, that, that one's going to be a fun one, so we'll see you guys next time. And remember, head on over to houseofindiepod.com for all your episodes. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The House of Indy. My name is Joey Galvez. I will see you later. Can you say The House of Indy? At the House of Indy.